This is episode 531 of the AWS podcast, released on June 19, 2022. Are you interested in exploring the future of technology with speakers such as Mikio Kaku, Adam Savage, and Ariel Ekblau? Register now for Amazon Remars in Las Vegas on June 21st, 24th, 2022. You can visit that at https forward forward slash remars.amazonevents.com and get your tickets for the event. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Sam Lesh here with you. Great to have you back. And I'm joined by a special guest. I'm joined by Dan Jungberg, who is Director of Solution Engineering at Pillar. G'day, Dan. How are you going? Yeah, it's fantastic today. Thank you for having me. Uh, thanks for coming on board. I think you've got some interesting things to share with us about Pillar and what you do for, for customers. And we love telling customer stories. And let me tell you, we have a bunch to talk about. But firstly, you know, Tell me a little bit about what Pillar does for those people who, who may not have heard about it and how to spell it correctly. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair question. So my company delivers a low-code solution. So for folks who aren't familiar with low-code, uh, what low-code is is essentially a visual way to build applications. So rather than having to sit down and write lines of code, you're dragging and dropping almost like Lego blocks uh, to build out the logic of your applications and then similarly, you can drag and drop and kind of build out the UI of your app as well. And so the point is, it's not like we don't like developers, yes. <laughs> but there's not enough developers. <laughs> exactly. Um, and our low-code platform uh, specifically aims at the, the SAP market, which suffers even more from that talent gap that you're describing than just general IT development. With SAP, there's really a lot of specific uh, SAP knowledge, both from a just programming language perspective, but then also from a just system knowledge perspective. Uh, that mm-hmm. makes it very difficult to find people today who can adequately maintain the uh, uh, the massive ERP uh, deployments that our customers have. So we're really squarely aimed at, A, let's deliver a world-class low-code experience, but let's also extend that out to the world of ERP, where traditionally there isn't really a low-code platform that really sits in that niche as well as we do. It is kind of an interesting area because it, it it has words that, you know, most of us don't understand. I mean, I've... I've... I've built infrastructures for SAP, but I've never developed in SAP. But I know I can use seemingly nonsensical words like ABAP, and it <laughs> means something. But I'm guessing universities aren't necessarily pumping out thousands of ABAP developers at the moment. So, so talk to me a bit more about the, the modernization piece. Yeah, so you're exactly right on. ABAP is a, you know, it's a language that's been around for, for quite a few decades already. Um, and typically the kids who are you know, graduating with CS degrees today aren't studying any language that are decades old to begin with. So what we've found is that a lot of the uh, folks who have ABAP knowledge, A, are aging out of the workforce, um, and B, are, you know, just pulled in every direction um, as SAP becomes an increasing need for enterprises and the customization of SAP. Um, so what we've done is we've, uh, in our platform, taken a lot of the core knowledge that our founding team has around ABAP and how it operates and essentially automated that in the platform. So uh, our low-code platform can actually ingest ABAP code. Um, so it can read that legacy code, which you, know, you don't have the uh, resources to even go and maintain today. And we can automatically then convert that over into low-code. Um, and it's interesting, you mentioned the university kids. We actually uh, subscribe to an open standard for our low-code platform. So uh, we use Scratch, uh, which is built by MIT originally, 
and that's actually being taught in middle schools yeah. and high schools. Um, yep. So we have <laughs> a lot of people that I talk to today when we mention that realize like, oh, my my kids could actually sit down my and kids use that. Yeah. <laughs> start to build out some some SAP connected apps. So it's it's absolutely something that is a, a common challenge in the market, and we really try to take square aim at kind of filling that talent gap through this platform. And so you, you talk about modernization and, and the need to you know, de- develop new interfaces and new things, but you know, why would an enterprise need to modernize business processes? Like, isn't it kind of like, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's the, it's the process. This is how it ever will be. Help us understand a bit more about what changes they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a, an almost a, a reluctance nowadays to push SAP and modernize SAP. Because a lot of organizations don't really see it as possible anymore. Their SAP uh, installation has grown so complex over the years just because of how much customization that they've baked into it, that it's just kind of, you know, this is the cost of doing business. We are going to deal with these archaic SAP GUI screens. What we can do is really, you know, start to take aim at a lot of those UX issues uh, that come with using these archaic instances. And this goes beyond just, you know, having a UI page of some kind that we need to bring over and put in a web app. Um, we can also start to interact with native mobile functionality as well. So for a lot of our customers, what they're looking at is these formerly paper-based or uh, console-based processes that they can now start to digitize and mobilize. So um, we have a lot of customers who have um, you know, operations in uh, asset-heavy type industries where they're doing a lot of uh, work order management, or maybe they're out in a warehouse managing, you know, where a certain good needs to be stored or something like that. And all of that can be done through now a mobile interface um, rather than, you know, having to go in and print stuff out, note it down, and have people key into a, an SAP terminal or something like that. Yeah. And, and if you've ever seen one of those terminals in a factory, um, they're not the original color they came out of the box in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've had a few years to build up some screen burn-in for sure. Exactly, exactly. So having that mobile experience is, you know, I think firstly probably more familiar to most folks now, but also means you don't have to be going back to base all the time to be updating stuff. You can be, you know, moving around the factory. And some of these factories are pretty large um, mm-hmm. and just do it as you go. Exactly. And um, it goes beyond just... Uh, being in a factory as well, we have customers who work out in like oil rigs, for example, where you're out in the fields where, to your point, you know, you want to be able to have uh, an experience that's completely seamless um, while you're going from, you know, the core parts of the factory out to the far-flung areas. So that's another area where, you know, we've um, taken a look at offline uh, functionality as well. Mm, and we're, we've mm. built a lot of automation into our apps um, and how we handle offline functionality. And that's really another area where, um, you know, going back to the oil rigs that I mentioned, we have customers that are using satellite phones where they're paying hundreds of dollars per the kilobyte that they need to upload. Um, So there's a lot of optimization that we've really built into the platform to be able to manage those kinds of edge cases. Going back to, you know, the developers again, um, if you're a developer building that app through traditional means, that's a huge task that ultimately is not that interesting to, uh, to manage. So we just allow you to kind of automate all of that so the developers can really focus in on the interesting part of building these apps, which is really the, the business logic, the kind of iterations going back and forth with the business to making sure that this app really fulfills the need um, rather than the you know basic infrastructure stuff that really should come with just a, a switch. 
Sure, sure. So, so you and I can you know, can geek out as long as we like on <laughs> the, the benefits and the coolness, etc. But ultimately, customers decide if something is good and useful or not. And I think you've got some great customer stories to share with us about kind of the you know, the before and after view. So maybe roll us through a yeah. few of those because I think they really draw out what customers do with this technology. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's a, a couple I have in mind that uh, can touch on some of the topics we've already talked about already. I'll start with one of my favorite customer stories is uh, Brown Foreman, which uh, they are the manufacturer of Jack Daniels bourbon and other alcoholic beverages. Um, so they're always a uh, fun customer visit to make. <laughs> well, you uh, always have to do some quality control when you visit, but, I'm sure. Yeah, of course, exactly. It's uh, good for customer relations. But where they came to us was they were using an, an old legacy system for uh, managing their log buying process. So... To give you a bit of background on the... I love that they have a log buying process. <laughs> well, so that's that's the interesting thing, actually, is this, a large part of their business is manufacturing the barrels that bourbon is aged in. Because not only is there a very specific type of wood that bourbon needs to be aged in, it can also only be used once. So oh, wow. uh, there's um, a large part of uh, Brown Foreman's business that is just acquiring logs, making them into barrels... And then later on, after the aging process, selling those barrels, because bourbon barrels are used for other things nowadays um, for other aging processes as well. Yeah. So they had this issue where, going back to the connectivity problems that I mentioned earlier, they had people who were going out into the you know Tennessee deep forests to buy this American white oak. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's zero connectivity out there, no 4G, no 3G, no nothing. Um, but they still need to be able to give quotes to the people who are out there cutting down the logs to say, you know, we'll pay you X amount for these hundreds of logs. Um, and they could go offline for you know weeks at a time. Wow. So we developed um, these new easy-to-use cloud-based cloud-native apps where it's really built for these extreme offline scenarios where they have all the master data that they need in their core uh, ERP system. Um, and then when the, the buyers go offline, wherever they are, that master data gets filtered down. So there's no big footprint on their, uh, their actual mobile device. And they can go out and you know, go about their days, buy logs. Um, and then once they regain connectivity again, everything will be synced back uh, to the core system automatically. And I'm guessing that the, the devices they have to use probably aren't your, your everyday you know, city folk device. Um, if you're, if you're out in the wilderness, you probably want something you can drop <laughs> without yes. breaking. Exactly. And we found with Brown Foreman, um, they're, they're utilizing rugged devices for the most part for exactly that reason. You want something that when you're out there in the forest, if you drop something, if, uh, um, you know, inclement conditions, even bad weather, things like that, you want a device that'll be able to stand up to all of that. So within our platform, you can really deploy to any mobile device. So Android, iOS, rugged, um, RF scanners, anything like that. Um, We can generate apps for all of those types of mobile experiences quite easily. Nice, nice. And what about in a non-log context? (laughs) That's another example. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, going from a, a fairly niche industry in the log buying space, we also work with one of the largest brands from a food perspective in the U.S., uh, so Dole Packaged Foods, who deals with a lot of processed fruits and snacks and things like that. They actually are using us not at all within the mobile context. They previously had a very complex uh, and manual material master data management process. 
So if they needed to onboard a new vendor or if they needed to add a new product to their catalog, that process was all done through paper, through email, through Excel spreadsheets. And you know, beyond just the tough aspect from a data quality perspective that brought, but it also meant that you know, there was no visibility into uh, where people's requests were in the pipeline. Everybody had to kind of track this down as they were going. So they came to us to really just simplify that material master process. And this is actually the material master process, a out-of-the-box process in SAP. Um, what they wanted to do is really build a user-centric kind of approach to this material mm-hmm. master process mm-hmm. where you, know, you don't need to see all 150-some fields if all you're doing is trying to approve an address change for a vendor, for example. Yeah, yeah. So we really took aim at how can we simplify this process and make it more approachable. And by that, you know, we're going to simplify the process, make it go faster, but then also cut down on the costs of actually managing the entire material master process. So, you know, we delivered the solution, uh, the kind of suite of material master management apps. And we were measure a 30% reduction in total kind of costs just related to the material master process based on wow. this app package. Plus, I guess uh, I'm guessing that the users would probably be happier to, to not be presented with the you know wall wall o text of uh, most processing type things. Exactly, happier, and then it's easier to onboard new employees. You know, it's a nice approachable web app versus you know an SAP you know input screen with a whole bunch of different UI inputs. And um, certainly, this approach just like you said keeps people happier, but also from an onboarding perspective, cuts down on that time as well. And so, so when we think about sort of some of the the, the, the net benefits, et cetera, you know, from a, de- a development standpoint, having a low-code or no-code approach like you're talking about, what does that mean in terms of, you know, development time or the time it takes to to get some of these projects happening for these customers? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. We've kind of measured out uh, a few different effects that the, the platform can have on, on typical development time. Usually it comes and it'll depend on where uh, where an organization is coming from. You know, if they have, or if they're running a, a modern version of SAP, something like S4HANA, then a lot of the accelerations that we bring will already be brought by some of the, you know, upgrades that have done to their SAP system. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they're coming from an ECC instance where they're manually building all of their integrations, then, you know, we're going to have a, a much larger effect. But typically what we see is that because of the automation that we can bring specifically to the integration process with source systems, we typically see somewhere in the range of 10 to 20x acceleration in terms of time to deliver. Wow. And that's that's a big number. Um, Mm. Obviously, you know, there's a lot else that goes in to delivery more than just how long does it take to, you know, spend time with hands-on keyboard. Um, But what we can really do is cut out a lot of that menial labor that developers need to do. So they can focus in on really delivering the world-class UX that they need to for their end users. So they don't have to worry about the SAP integration because we have that handled. It's going to be the same whether they write the code or whether we just automate it and build it automatically. Nice. It, it, it definitely sounds like that classic doing more with less type situation um, or, or just spending more time on the UX rather than the other stuff. So you, you, even if you can do it faster, you may spend more time just to really Know, understand the log buying process, for example. These are important yeah, things. Exactly. Or the folks who previously, you know, were sitting in ABAP roles, being hands-on keyboard, could take on more of a COE or governance type of role where they're looking over a portfolio of apps because now they have the ability, like you said, to do more with less. 
we've really seen a few different models of how customers use the platform. I will say as well that there are certain areas of the platform where you don't necessarily need a full developer's background. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, for the UI building process, for example, you know, it's somewhere where we're seeing functional team members or business analysts be able to sit down and very comfortably start to build out the UI of the application that they're ultimately delivering. Nice. Um, similarly, like an app process or a workflow of some kind, that's definitely something that you don't necessarily need a full programming background to be able to handle because within the platform, it has a very Visio-like interface that folks like that would have a lot of experience working with. So we so really see it as we familiar kind of, view. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the way we see it is we really broaden the spectrum of who can take part in the delivery process. But at its core, we still need those developers who have that technical knowledge because ultimately we can't automate away a lot of the just tribal knowledge required to, to integrate in with a, a core system like SAP or really any core system. Sure, sure. So Dan, given all that, where do, where do people find Pillar? Sure. So we're available in a few different places, obviously online. Uh, we have a website, Pillar.io. But we're also uh, available through the uh, AWS Marketplace. So uh, we have a ABAP, essentially a kind of customization evaluation process uh, that we can run with customers as a trial. So we'll come and uh, essentially do a, a analysis of a customer's SAP system to get an idea of just how customized your SAP core is. And then from there, we can work with you on what a pilot might look like to kind of evaluate what Pillar could do within your environment. Fantastic. So having that assess stage available through the marketplace just makes it super easy to get going. Exactly. Fantastic. Dan, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. It was my pleasure. And thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do it. And until next time, keep on building.